What's shaking, Red Nation? It is Jeremy Brenner with another episode of The Dream Take, presented by The Dream Shake, home of all things Houston Rockets at SBNation.com. And tonight, the Rockets, they fall short to the Golden State Warriors, 121-108. I thought the Rockets played uh, three good quarters of basketball, and then the fourth quarter, not so much. Uh, they had a chance to win this one, um, and... I got to give them props for what they were able to do. They had that lead in the middle of the third quarter, uh, but they were unable to really do much outside of that. Um, the I thought the starters played well. Obviously, no Shangun tonight, um, it being the second half of a back-to-back, and he's been dealing with some injury stuff lately. But Tar Eason was a good fill-in for... Uh, Shengun in the starting lineup, 21 points, 12 boards for Eason on 9 of 16 shooting, uh, 20 points from Jalen Green after his 40-point performance on Sunday. Got 17 apiece from Jabari Smith with 11 boards for him. Kevin Porter also had uh, 17, 5, and 5. And then you also got 13 from KJ. So a pretty balanced effort from your starters. And uh, tonight, even though it was the second night of a back-to-back, uh, Steven Silas opted for an eight-man rotation. Uh, only Garuba, Josh Christopher, and Dacian Nix coming off of the bench. Um, interesting idea. I'm surprised that maybe uh, Ty Ty didn't get any minutes, but other than that, um, you know, these are your players that you want to see more out of, so um, it's nice that they were able to get some minutes there tonight. Um, but yeah, honestly, um, you know, tonight, it's a weird one because I don't necessarily think the Rockets uh, showed us anything that we didn't already know. Um, and it being the 72nd game of the season, you know, what you see is what you're going to get with this Rockets group. Um, these last couple of games have been really exciting um, because it does look like, you know, it is an improved product and it is, uh, you know, somewhat of a, it's somewhat of a decent product. Um, the Rockets, they are five and five in their last 10. Um, so if you take the last 10 games and throw away the first um, 62, then, hey, the Rockets are actually a decent team. Um, unfortunately, those first 62 games count, um, and the Rockets were unfortunately uh, not to standards in the NBA. But these last 10 games have been promising, uh, they have been exciting, and we are seeing some semblance of growth with this group, and we are seeing, you know, why we are so, you know, hopeful for this for this team. Uh, we're hopeful because they they do have talent and they do have uh, some something there, um, and I think we saw some of it tonight, um, especially with Tari, uh, Jalen, also him being able to kind of just you know, score so effortlessly. That to me is more anything. It's just, he, he's a casual 20 points, like easily. Um, and, and it's only going to get easier for him. I feel as the, as his career progresses. Um, and then also, you know, against the Warriors, you have to shoot a lot of threes. Warriors shot 48 threes and made 17 of them. Rockets, they shot 36 threes. They made only 10 of them. Um, I, I respect the fact that they were trying to shoot, uh, try to, sh- you know, if you're not going to shoot threes, they're not going to make them. Um, but the Rockets were able to uh, get into this game and they were able to try to compete with the Warriors and try to 
play them at their own game. You know, the Rockets, they're not a good enough team to kind of play their own game against anybody, but they were able to kind of compete with the Warriors at least for three quarters. Um, you know, tonight's game could have gotten a whole lot worse. Um, and look, it's definitely not the worst loss we've seen all year. Certainly not the best game that we've seen all year. But alas, um, that's kind of just the way it is. Um, you know, before I, I get going any further, I do want to address, you know, the future of the show. I know Mike's talked about it a couple times in the past, and we posted on Twitter um, that we are taking a hiatus after the season ends. Um, it's unfortunate that it uh, is come to this point. It's not necessarily our decision, um, but it is, you know, after three years of doing this, uh, 400 plus episodes um, and with SB Nation moving in a different direction when it comes to its podcasts and when it comes to just its overall makeup of the company, um, we were just not part of their future plans. Uh, we do have, uh, you know, potential to move to other podcast networks. That is something that we, Mike and I, are discussing as a team. Um, but a lot of it, a lot of our lives outside of the podcast um, is also changing, um, so that's going to play a factor. But we're, we want to commit to the end of the season like we did, um, commit to the, our listeners, our fans. Uh, we are super grateful for you guys. So we want to commit to uh, get the last 10 games in. Um, and then after that, we're going to reassess their situation and go from there. Uh, we hope to be back soon. Uh, we don't know when, how long this hiatus is going to last, um, but we hope to have a solution soon. Uh, this is not an easy decision for Mike or myself, but um, a decision that has to be made. But yeah, outside of that, let, let's let's move back um, into the good stuff. Um, you know, the the Rockets, I guess as of late, I, I feel like it's been a while, you know, since I've, you know, kind of driven one of these shows. Um, I did pop in to some of the, the winning pods in the last week. I guess I guess I did it a week ago when we beat the Celtics, but you know this recent stretch for the Rockets is very. I'm seeing like a lot of weird, weird discourse in in social media circles about this Rockets team and kind of you know what to do because because of this recent success, it's amazing how a three game win streak, the longest of the season for the Rockets has kind of given people, well, hey, maybe we should run it back with this core. And don't get me wrong. Like, if this core had more time to grow, I do think that they would eventually figure it out and as this group goes together. But that, the thing is, the NBA doesn't work like that all the time. Uh, and most of the time it doesn't. You know, players get, you know, if, if players aren't good at their job, they get replaced. If coaches aren't good at their job, they get replaced. If GMs are bad at their job. They get replaced. And at this point, the Rockets have had the worst record in the last three seasons. It's time for some people to get replaced. And I've said it on, you know, I've said it on multiple occasions over the past couple of months. Um, but the first, the first domino to fall and the first person to get the blame is Steven Silas. As nice of a guy he is, he is still respond. He, he's still a huge part of why the team is where it is it's uh, he's he hasn't been able to take the situation and improve upon it you know he had he had the bad situation in year one we forgave him 
um, because it was just you know, no one would have been able to succeed with that roster. Then in year two, there was no improvement, but we say, okay, well, Jalen Green's there. It's his first year. Let them go through the growing pains. But this year should have been better. And at this point, with a 250 win percentage, it's not. It's it's simply not. Um, you know, last season, the Rockets won what? Did they win 20 games last year? Was that what it was? The number, the magic number? Yeah, 20 games. So in order for Steven Silas to match what he has done last year, he needs to win two of the last 10 games. With two games against Memphis uh, later this week, don't think they're going to win either of those. John Morant uh, will probably be back for at least one of those. Uh, Cleveland, that's another tough game that they're going to have to play. Back-to-back against New York, not a good one. Uh, Brooklyn, they did not play well against Brooklyn uh, earlier this month. They, they'll probably get Detroit. Um, that could be your 19th win. You still got to get a 20th win in there. The Lakers, maybe, probably not after what we saw. Or maybe the Lakers, could be the Lakers. Um but Denver, probably not. Maybe you get the win against Charlotte. Well, but like the fact that we're scraping to get to the exact same spot that they were a year ago when you do have a better team, a better roster, a more talented roster, it's just not good enough. Um, I'm going to bring up Jim. He is requesting to speak, so I'm going to let him speak, and he can take the conversation in whichever direction he wishes. Jim, welcome back to the Dream Tick, my friend. How are you? Thank you, JB. I'm good. How you doing? Um, fantastic. Other than the loss. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we're used to it at this point. It's numb. What's up? Yeah. So here's my question for you tonight. Um, as good as they've looked or as improved as they've looked the last five games or so, do you think there's any chance that the Rockets actually say, you know what? We're going to give you another chance, Silas, and give him another season. Here is, here's like, I guess, here's my thought process about it. I, I, as I've just said, I don't think Silas gets another shot, but here is the case for Steven Silas to stay. Number one, um, I would think maybe for Tita feels like, you know, cause Silas does have, they signed him, I believe to a four year contract when they first, uh, when they first got him. So this, that means that he has one more year on his contract after this season. Um, so they're paying him next year, whether he's coaching here or somewhere else or sitting on the couch and having a drink after, after what the last three years have put him through. Um, so there's that argument that says, hey, well, if we get a guy, if we bring him in, you know. It, another thing, too, is are you going to place, like, are you going to hold this group responsible for what has happened? And Steven Silas is the easiest person to blame. There's three types of people you can blame when things are bad. You either blame the front office, you blame the players, you blame the coach. To me, the front office has brought these players in and the players we have determined at least right now are not the problem. I mean, eventually we will bring in better players, but I think the players have at least proven that they are not the problem. There's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of talent. Like this, this starting five uh, that they had tonight, I 
I would say other than Kevin Porter, all of them are 100% locks to be key players next season. And Kevin Porter's probably a 75% chance of being a key player for the Rockets next season. And rightfully so. They, they played well enough to where they deserve to have that consideration. So you can't blame the players and you can't blame the front office necessarily. But you've got to place the blame somewhere. And Silas is the easiest scapegoat out of the three. But if you want to say, hey, you know, Stephen Silas, you know, we have not given you, you know, the proper tools necessary to make this team work. Next year is your year to make it work. And, you know, they've, like, the thing is with the Rockets is they've, they've toggled with Silas's seat. They've turned it up a little bit. Uh, the, the temperature when things go bad, like last year when they lost, you know, 15 games to start the year or something like that. And then this year when they had the long losing streak as well, Silas's seat was pretty hot. But yet again, they find a way to keep them. And so you would think, well, hey, if this recent good stretch, is this enough to keep him? And the reason why they would keep him is because they don't consider him fully responsible for the failure of the team. They blame the situation. And if if they give Silas a fourth year, it's a lot of patience. There's a lot of patience for a team that uh, shouldn't have that much patience, honestly, at this point. I think, um, you know, to have one bad season is one thing, but to have two or three um, is is a different story. And so I think... I think this team, give them a different coach because there's, there's also risk in bringing in a new coach for this group. What if it's not the right coach for this group? These new players that are just figuring out how to play each other, they're going to have to learn a whole new system. Like that, that could be a risk. And that, that's a reason to keep Silas is because, you know, you're keeping these players and you're giving them continuity. But the thing is, if you're giving them continuity over what we've been playing for the last two years, you're continually being bad. You're continually being the worst team in the league. And that shows that you're willing to settle for that. And I think the Rockets um, want to win. I hope that they do. Um, and, and that's why I think Silas will go. But if they were to keep him, um, that's why. And it wouldn't necessarily um, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me all that it would shock me, but it wouldn't surprise me because I like the more I'm talking about it, the more sense it's making. I, I hate to say that because, you know, I've, I've been, you know, we, Silas goes at the end of the season for, for weeks, months now. Um, but if, if the Rockets were to keep Silas, keep the continuity and, you know, you don't have to pay another coach on the contract. Those are two big reasons why Silas would stay. Well, three things. Number one, he he's progressively gotten worse as a coach. And and I will tell you what the telltale sign of that is. Look at how many games they lose in the fourth quarter. That he, 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 one could make it about the players, but that means your end game is pretty lousy, quite frankly. Um, and so when you're losing games like that, that's that's pretty bad. And given that you've got young talent, that could mar them, that that mars their progress when that continually happens to them. And it happens all the time. They will play 
two or three strong quarters. They'll go into the fourth quarter and literally it's like a rickety, it's like a, you know, rickety wagon. The wheels just come off and it just goes to crap. No matter who's on the floor, interestingly enough, they just fall apart. Um, part two is I think, I think there is a way he, he, to somewhat agree with you, I think there is a way he comes back, but there's a big but to that. I think they may wait to see what happens in the draft. If they get Victor Wimbanyama, I think they got to fire him. I, I, I mean, you, you can't get a generational piece with the coach who hasn't it, it just feels off. I could be wrong about that, but I could see that a hundred percent happening. Now, if they get somebody less than Victor, uh, you know, maybe they roll the dice and show some patience and say, well, we've get, we're going to give him one last piece and maybe it happens. If they get Victor. I think you got to move on from him. Um, yeah. The timeline, the timeline is very, uh, unique in the NBA and just in this offseason in particular for the Rockets is because, you know, obviously the draft comes before free agency, which I mean, compare, I'm comparing it to football. We've got free agency right now that like free agency dictates what you do in the draft. And in the NBA, right. the draft dictates what you do in free agency. You know, if the Rockets get Scoot Henderson, chances of them bringing James Harden in aren't as likely as if they were to bring, um, you know, Vic. And so, Obviously, you've got that. You've got the draft lottery in less than two months' time. My guess is this: my guess is Silas gets fired um, within forty-eight to seventy-two hours after the season ends, so early April, um, and then they they get started right away on a coaching search. Um, but they they are gonna like the Rockets need to like take their time on this coaching search, like go until after you get the lottery and then like what because because if you have the number one pick the coaches that are you know wanting to coach victor Wembanyama are probably you know that that's a that's a lot more of an appeal um to to come to houston than uh you know the fourth pick or the third pick or whatever um you know so i think the rockets they they fire silas right after the season they or mutually part ways or whatever you want to call it they, you know, and then you get started immediately and you vet like 30 different guys. You bring in like 10 of them for interviews and you see how the playoffs go. You see the lottery and how that goes. And then you build your team after that. And so the challenging part though about that is there's about a month and a half, like a month, month and a half uh, between the lottery and the draft. And so if you bring in a coach, at that time, you've got six weeks for the coach to scout the guys and then draft, you know, and then, and then get, get them ready for the draft, basically. And then free agency is, you know, right after the draft. So I think when it comes to this coaching timeline, you know, that, that is another reason why you probably keep Silas is because, you know, the, because of the daintiness in this offseason um, for the Rockets, having that, like, not having to screw up the coach, um, you know, it's it's the, it's a fear of the unknown. I guess is is why the Rockets would keep Silas because they 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 don't want to risk you know screwing up what they have, um, which they they may seem is better than what 
a lot of us think. You know, obviously the outside perception of the organization is probably the worst it's ever been. Uh, I don't know if you caught the JJ Reddick interview from today. I'm going to discuss that probably after you get down, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think the Rockets, if, if they keep Silas, it will show that the Rockets are not on the same page as the outside. Well, yeah. I mean, let's, let's be clear. The only real, big free agent they have any shot at whatsoever is Harden. And and right. despite what people keep saying, that would be the 100% worst thing that could happen. Cause I, I, you think Harden, Harden coming is the worst thing that could happen? Absolutely. Because I will tell you, you know, Harden is not a leader. Let, let's be clear about that. There's nothing leader-esque about him. And you look at how he forced his way out of Houston – I mean, whatever. That's the way of the NBA. So you could almost comp him for that one. But you look at the mere fact that his camp has dropped what they've dropped about him possibly wanting to come back to Houston with the Sixers firmly being in the running to win the East. I, what 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 does that say about him? I mean, people have to step away from the buckets for a minute and look at the person like that's who you want to put around all those kids. If and a rational person, when you look at it like that and divorce yourself from whatever runs he had in 18 or 19, that's not what you want to do that. Uh, he, he's not going to magically get here and become a different person. He's not that, that it's, it's like when people are in relationships People tell you all the time who they are. We just don't listen. He's telling you exactly who he is. And when it doesn't work out, people are going to be like, well, can't believe that didn't work out. What do you mean? He told you exactly who he was. People got enamored with his name and what he did in the past. I just think that that would be bad. And I, quite frankly, I don't, I don't know how anybody can even argue with that. Like, the, the noise around him leaving Philly, why? You are in the running legitimately to win the East. Why would you drop that now? I mean, I, I can give you 10 reasons why, but they're all selfish. There's, there's nothing positive about dropping that now. That's all about me, 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 and positioning me. Yeah, since the last time, like we, cause we had a similar conversation a couple of weeks ago about this. Uh, but since then, you know, I mean, the, the Sixers have, they've won eight of nine. They lost tonight to snap an eight game winning streak and they lost in double overtime. Uh, Harden's been tremendous. Uh, you know, so like the, the fact that he's playing at such a high level right now, um, and the fact that he's got Philly now in second in the Eastern Conference, the second best team in the NBA, um, is, or now they're third because they lost tonight, but, they they were right there, um, number number two. They still got a really good shot at number two, uh, maybe even number one if they can get lucky and the Bucks drop some games down the stretch. But um, you know, I think the the level that he's playing at right now, like, is is simply just too high for the Rockets to pass up. Uh, because the thing about James Harden and his free agency is it's James Harden's choice. It's not necessarily up to the teams making the pitches. Like James Harden knows the pitches. It's about what James Harden wants to do. Now, James Harden wants to play in Houston next year, and he says, "Yeah, you know, just give me give me the max, and I'll play for you guys." You know, it's it's going to be really hard for the Rockets to say no to that. 
um, especially when they've been at the doldrums of the NBA the last three years, um, to have the player from the best team, one of the best teams, say, hey, I want to come play for you guys. Well, absolutely, you're going to do it, even though the past is the past or whatever. Um, you know, you got you can't say no to something like that because when in the NBA has that ever happened where the one of the best players on the two or three best teams in the league says, you know what, I'm gonna go play for the worst team in the league and let's see what happens. Uh, you know, hardly ever, if if ever. Um, so the Rockets are gonna have to, you know, take the. I, I just have a hard time if Harden is truly serious about coming to Houston. Uh, that the Rockets say no to that. Um, that being said, you know, if they get Scoot, I think that's probably the one thing that you say, well, that's probably the one reason why you wouldn't take him because you want to have your new number two pick, um, that you're planning on building your franchise around. Um, you know, you want him in a position to be your top point guard. And obviously James Harden being there wouldn't do that for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough situation. It's a tricky situation. And that's why, like, games like tonight are are so tough to, like, analyze for me. Because it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme. I mean, this is what matters in the grand scheme. What you and I are talking about, that has way more weight on what the Rockets are doing and about to do versus tonight's game. So, uh, Jim, any last thoughts before I swap you out and sign off? Uh, yeah, I'll just say that... Uh conventional wisdom is conventional for a reason. There's a reason why you've never seen that scenario play itself out. So well said, I, you know, so JB have a great night, my man. You too, boss. You too. Yeah. That was some wisdom from Jim R E conventional wisdom. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's one last tidbit I wanted to share before I sign off tonight. And it's uh, what JJ Reddick had to say about the Rockets on his latest episode of his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. Um, I'm going to read a, an excerpt here from a Twitter user uh, at Free Alpi, uh, ironically enough. But uh, this is what he said. This is an excerpt. Uh, Houston is a mess. There's a difference to me be- uh, between building towards winning basketball and the opposite of that, which is what the Rockets are doing. There should be a clear hierarchy on the team. There shouldn't be a scenario where a player doesn't get the ball in the half court and puts his hands on his hips and walks around, mentioning the Kevin Porter Jr. situation from a few games ago. Uh, There shouldn't be a scenario where it's my turn, your turn. There shouldn't be a scenario where it's clear from body language that one player doesn't like playing with another player. And then you're in a position where the guy you drafted third overall is literally swimming in the middle of the ocean with no life raft for an entire NBA season. Well, almost an entire NBA season. For me, that's what's happened in Houston. As an outside observer, the evidence points to dysfunction. Yeah, I mean, look, JJ Reddick's been in uh, been in the NBA for you know fifteen plus years, and um, I, I think that what he said there's a lot of truth to it. Uh, there is no hierarchy on the team that's very clear, um, and the Rockets the, that's part of why they've rebuilt the way they have. You know, they kind of just said let's bring in as much talent as possible, and we'll go from there. But they haven't really assessed that. They they're still in the process of assessing that. And I think that's why the wins have not come. Um, and they, they really haven't built a team. They built a lot of individuals um, and with, with a lot of talent, but there's no one that's turned this group into a team yet. And that's what the next coach needs to do and bring in is someone that can establish a plan, a hierarchy that, you know, give people established roles and move from there. And, 
And the thing is, I think that there is a, a coach that could do that. Um, there, there's enough talent on this group to where you think you can make it work. And there's enough players on the team to where if you configure them in the right sense, in the right, you know, combination, there's a chance that that could work. Um, and if, and if, it, and if there isn't a coach that can do that, that's when you point the finger at Rafael Stone and the front office and you say, you have given us a mess that we simply cannot clean up. And that is when they will be given the pink slips and the new GM can come in and try his best or her best to clean the mess. That's a good place to park the rocket ship for tonight. Thank you so much for those who are tuning into this episode of the dream take. Thank you to Jim for giving me some company and some good chat uh, tonight on the latest episode of the dream take. We'll be back again on Wednesday with another recap show. We've got the Memphis Grizzlies on deck. Could be John Morant's return to the Grizzlies, something that will be uh, seen on a national level. So maybe the Rockets can uh, spoil a potential John Morant return. Probably not, but Hey, you never know in the NBA, the, the unexpected could happen at any given moment, Uh, but be sure to follow us on Twitter at the dream take and at dream shake SBN. You can also head over to our Facebook page. Give us a like over there and you can head over to our website, thedreamshake.com, home of all things, Houston Rockets at SBNation.com. If you'd like to follow my personal Twitter, you can do so at Jeremy Brenner. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of The Dream Take. And until next time, go Rockets!